Welcome to the pilot episode of Betting Down South. I am SEC Stat Cat Clark Brooks. I am joined by my friend Fitzy. How are you doing today, Fitz? What is up, Stat Cat? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here talking some gambling. That's right. That's what this podcast is all about. Gambling on the best conference known to man, the Southeastern Conference. So um, it always helps when you have a lot of champions. It also helps when you have a lot of fun, interesting athletes to gamble on each week. So we don't have to worry about talking about last season. We all know it's a wash. It, it was not pretty. So um, let's go ahead and jump into picking our over-unders for each SEC team. We're going to break it up into the SEC West and the SEC East. And uh, Fitz, where do you want to start? Let's, let's get going. Yeah, I want to start with Mississippi State, the fake Bulldogs of the SEC, really the dumpster of the SEC West. This university and their fans, I just – don't understand what they have to cheer for, but here they are, and they have their stupid cowbells, and I love it. So. Not, a, not a fan of the Air Raid? What's up with that? I thought you were a Mike Leach guy. I do like Mike Leach. He's like a guy that would be fun to like probably have like an all-nighter with, like doing some illicit substances. But okay. I just don't think the Air Raid works in the SEC. I think he is – I think he's probably going to be there for like three or four more years, but like realistically – Let's be real. Mississippi State goes six and six, seven and five, eight and four every year. Those people are going to be happy with their little cowbells. The over under form right now is six wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking the over. I was looking at their schedule. I think they'll get seven wins and five losses. I mean, they have some cupcakes in the very beginning. So I think they go three and zero to start, and then they'll beat Vanderbilt, beat Tennessee State, and then there's some pickums. I think they beat Arkansas too. Um, so they get seven wins, but when it comes to actually playing a good team, I mean, I don't know too much about them. So, I mean, like, what do you think? I know you have them all analyzed. Well, yeah, I mean, their, their schedule is actually on the stronger side, ninth heart, or ninth easiest, I should say, in the SEC. Uh, but, yeah, you're one of those dissenters on this team working in the conference. Well, <laughs> you look at last year, and it definitely was a uh, really bad showing by uh, the sword swinger. Uh, bottom three in total volume. Uh, second worst touchdown rate. Their passers combined for 60 interceptable passes. Really hard to field a good unit doing all that crap. Who is their quarterback starting? Oh, so yeah, the quarterback, um, KJ Costello, was the option last year. He was a grad transfer, but he lost his job midseason to this guy, Will Rogers. But like I just said, a lot of interceptable passes. The drop eight has really confused his young mind to start. So he'll be duking it out with Jack Abraham, who's coming over from Southern Miss, uh, but still, it still looks like Rodgers will win the job at the end of the day here. Man, I mean, that makes more sense why they're at six. I mean, let's be real. This team's not going to do really anything in the West. I think we can both agree on that. Like, they might have a, a upset here or then. Hey, but... man, like, like you just said, like that pick you were teasing, look, they have three games the first month of the season that are projected by ESPN's SP Plus to be decided by about a field goal. So, and one of them is against LSU. And we all know what happened in the LSU game last year. Now, that's the thing. I really doubt that LSU is going to come out and try and man up. They should do a little bit more drop eight like the rest of the conference did. Again, listen to those stats I just shat out. It worked. It hindered this offense. It was not effective. It was overly toothless. Um, Even though they passed a lot, no one was worse in explosive pass rate. But it's gross. So it's just a matter of do you think they clipped somebody? Auburn, Ole Miss is the uh, another game to watch in the division. Both of those are projected to be one-score games. But I'm just overly pessimistic just because of those uh, passers I mentioned. Um, of course, I'm a big Jalen Wally fan. He's a slot receiver, really impressive guy. Um, he's going to be a true sophomore. He might end up as an all-SEC first or second teamer this year. He's definitely going to be one of the more voluminous guys playing in the air raid here. But, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just think so. Where do you got them on win loss for this? Um, I think they go six and six, honestly. But like again, if we're gonna go over under and pick one side, I'm gonna say under. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, they're just. I mean, I'm not very excited to talk about them. They're just gonna. I mean, they're gonna be okay. They're fun to watch every now and then. But look, uh, look. Here's the thing: if they can beat NC State, if they can win that pick'em game at Memphis, if they can hold their own and somehow beat LSU. That's 4-0 right there. That's a big momentum, and that's, you know, almost to your mark. And that just leaves games of Arkansas, Auburn, and Ole Miss that are certainly 
winnable. All right, so the next one we're talking about is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's, I mean, what do you think about them, Clark? I mean, I know they're a lackluster team most of the time. They're in the West, so they just get shit pumped every week by actual good football teams. But you know what? You got to love their fan base. There's something about them that are kind of lovable. And, you know, it'd be fun to go watch a game and Lovable? Yeah. Yeah, they're just like that. I don't know how to describe them without being extremely, extremely mean. But, like, you know, it's just that, like, cousin that lives out in the country that, like, does weird stuff on the farm. And they love like a, a team that's been irrelevant except for Darren McFadden. And then the coolest thing that's happened to them in the last 20 years is when their coach fell off a bike when they had a volleyball player on top of it. So, I mean, <laughs> what else has happened with, with the Razorback history? Ryan Mallett, what a baller. But they don't have any Ryan Mallets. They don't have any Darren McFaddens. They're going to be boring. I think they go four and eight. Their over-unders on them six. Um, I mean, what yeah. do you you mentioned the schedule. The schedule's the hardest in the conference. So, yeah, like, there, there is reason to fade them. But here's the thing. Current line at Bavada, minus 200. You're only going to get a 50% return on that. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of bang-for-buck opportunity fading the Hogs here. Um, but, look, their season could very well hinge on that Week 2 game against Texas. The SB Plus projected to be about a 5-6 to six game or 5-6 to six point um, margin in that game. So, if they are able to clip um, Steve Sarkeesian, um, before he can get going, bringing the Longhorns back, folks. Um, this is a really easy team to buy in on. Of course, they're going to have the number one receiver on the conference and Traylon Burks, of course, K.J. Jefferson. He's going to be a big unknown at quarterback. Barry Odom leading the defense. I think they're going to be able to win some rock bites and up in some people. Um, even though they have four one-score games, all of them are in Fayetteville. And last time I checked, um, they're going to be at full capacity there. So I really do like um, the upside of this Arkansas team. And because of the payout, I'm going to go over for the Hogs and Sam Pittman here. So you think they have seven wins, really? I do. Well, here's the thing. They're bringing back 85% of their defensive production. That's 15th in the conference. And again, I just mentioned Barry Odom. Really good uh, defensive mind. He used to be, the, of course, the head coach at Missouri. But I just think they're going to be yeah. able to clip Someone like Texas, maybe someone like LSU, someone like Auburn, someone in their division when they're not uh, necessarily prepared for that drop eight style of theirs. Huh. All right. I think you're absolutely nuts. I think they're going four and eight. Well, there I, you I, go. I mean, look, again, fading that schedule makes a whole lot of sense. But just because of the payout and the momentum, I'm just bucking that a little bit. Nothing okay. about that. Where do you want to go next? Let's go to the mascotless team in the sec west the old miss rebels land sharks bears whatever else they're called old miss i like old miss i think this team's on the up they're probably like my biggest watch out team for the sec i think they have a pretty big year i like matt carroll a lot i'm right. excited about the offense i like oh it's a corral let's see that's how that's how much i know guys <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i think they go nine and three and that's a big over whether the over is seven and a half but i think they go nine and three and i think they beat alabama this year wow well uh that, that that's a really bold take so their over under mark is at seven and a half so you you think they just crush it um yep. they have six one score games as is so like just straight up the sp plus thinks they go nine and three but they are projected to lose to alabama by 19 points but um they're 19 points, yeah. That's what that's what the SP Plus has. And it's going to be in Tuscaloosa. Um, and again, you got to remember how crappy Ole Miss's defense was last year. That really does hurt them a whole lot. Even though they are bringing back 83% of it, that's 20th best in the country per ESPN. It's just a matter of them improving. And I'm as high as on Corral as anyone. Um, I wrote earlier this spring that he is unequivocally the quarterback one in the conference. He's potent. He's the most accurate passer. Um, and, of course, he plays in a scheme that really plays to his strength. So I think they take care of business against Louisville, uh, Austin P, Tulane. I think they stumble against Alabama. Arkansas, I think they win. Tennessee, I think they win. Now, the LSU game, the Auburn game, these are the two um, hingy games. They're back-to-back -back weeks. They're both projected to be decided by a field goal. So um, it's just a matter of by that time, 
how will that defense look? Because we know that offense is really going to drive them. It's just a matter of that defense. But again, with the Vegas over under at seven and a half, I think they at least get to eight, right? So um, even though they do have six one score games, I'm going to really bank on QB one and the best one of the best offenses in the SEC. Who did they lose last year? Ole Miss. I know they lost Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is a big loss. Um, they lost um, some offensive linemen. Um, so they back like. Any weapons back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they bring back Braylon Sanders on Don Terrio Drummond. Names you probably don't know. But you know what? Um, looking at the returning SEC receivers, they're the top two most efficient deep receivers in the entire fucking conference. And they are they just basically nabbed Missouri's best receiver in Jalen Knox from the transfer yeah, portal. I saw that. I saw that. That's yeah. Cool. I really think he's going to be the new Elijah Moore in this scheme. So I, I would expect him to play a little bit more from the slot. That's where he played last year at Missouri. Uh, before that, he was more of an outside receiver. But going into 2020, he was one of the more um, explosive returning receivers in the conference. So um, he's definitely going to be playing in a scheme that's going to let him get those chances. So I think there's going to be big things to watch from him. Um, and, of course, go look at the run game. Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor. Both of those guys are um, definitely Snoop Connor, very nice. Um, he's the doggy dog, backup running back. But Jaron Ely, he's one of the better ones after con- uh, after contact and getting explosive games. And, of course, you have John Reese Plumley, who everyone wants to keep an eye on because he's just a jitterbug athlete that uh, Lane Kiffin's going to try and get on the field some way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big backer in Ole Miss. I think they definitely hit that over mark, so I'm going to go over there. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the only team besides Alabama that can actually win the SEC West this year. All right, then let's go on to LSU. Fitz, terrible year for the Bayou Bengals after their national championship. They basically fell on their face going 5-5. Five and five. Do you have any expectations for them this year? Because a lot of people think they rebound. I don't. I don't. Their over-under is 8.5. I just – I mean, to be honest, this is my take on LSU this year. I think they have a terrible season to their standards, which is crazy what LSU thinks of themselves sometimes, but I love LSU. I love their jerseys. I love Coach O, go Tigers. Um, I think they go six and six and Coach O gets put on the hot seat. Like, I think that's quick. I think that's their, that's their expectation. I don't think they have any big notable wins. So I think Mississippi State, Auburn, Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss, and A&M all beat them. I think they, all the, they win their cupcake games, UCLA, McNeese, Central Michigan, Kentucky, Arkansas, UL Monroe. I think that's their schedule. Six and six. I don't know who they have. Like, who is on their team? Like, oh, who do they man. have coming back? Well, Max Johnson, he was forced to play as a true freshman at quarterback. Um, how to sum him up? Um, he's a mobile guy, but he's not the fastest guy. He was okay for a freshman. Um, his deep accuracy is okay for his age, but again, his arm talent, when you watch him throw, it could stand to improve. Um, he's going to have a decent amount of receivers. Keishon Butte, he's going to be in discussion for uh, being the next Jamar Chase, a sophomore sensation after a ferocious close the last month of the season. I mean, um, you remember how he just dominated that old Miss game at the end of the year, Zeb. I mean, this is a guy to definitely keep an eye on and buoy this offense, but again, when you bring back such a veteran offensive line, they cannot play as crappy as they did last year, um, basically finishing dead last or second to last in rush yards before contact. That shit cannot happen with this pass-first scheme that's supposed to feast on empty box counts when they turn to the run. Um, with Jake Peets and, and DJ Mangus back in the fold, they're really going to try and run back that 2019 scheme with Joe Brady. Um while there is talent on this team, the big drawback is seven one-score games, five of them in consecutive weeks before their bye. Um, that is just a lot of adversity. Um, again, that over-under at eight and a half, I think that's just way too high. I don't think they go six and six. That you, that look, that's really cynical, Fitz. That's uh, incredibly cynical, even for me. But I just, yeah, even with the returning talent, that's just way too much adversity on their schedule. For me to think that they get to nine wins, so I'm gonna go under. Under with them. Yeah. I just don't see their wins, man. I think I think Ole Miss beats them. I think they 
I just I think maybe even Mississippi Bay. It wouldn't surprise me if they go five and seven. To be honest, I it just I don't it's think possible have, with that schedule, man. I say it like again, five one score margins consecutively from weeks four to eight. That is that's crazy, and they're all SEC games. Um, not to mention, look, they start the season in California playing UCLA, where they're projected to be four four point underdogs. So if they drop that one, oh gosh, we could you know really be in for another disappointing season i think coach o got lucky with coach like with uh, joe burrow on that team and he just had uh, dynamite in a bottle or whatever you want to call it and they had that was one of the best college football teams of all time dynamite in a bottle god that that would create a lot of nasty shards there i think the, the I lightning, know, bottle. lightning in a bottle whatever it is but this year it's probably gonna be dynamite in a bottle and they're just gonna implode that's what i'm thinking about lsu okay I mean, I yeah. I like the program. I love Coach O. He's great. I just I just don't think they got it this year. All right, so the next team we're going to talk about is the Auburn War Eagles slash Tigers, another fake mascot. I don't understand why there's three fucking Tiger mascots in the SEC. That should be illegal. You shouldn't be allowed to have the same mascot. They should have a mascot off this year, and whoever has the best record gets to keep the mascot. But let's go Auburn Tigers, War Eagles, whatever they're called. Who's their new coach? I don't even know anything about Auburn. Brian Harson. Brian Harson. He comes from uh, Boise State, Zev, where he's basically been a pretty good coach, nine and three type of thing, ten and three type of thing. Um, but they're going to return to basically pro style tactics. They're going to get away from the Gus Malzahn inside zone bubble screens, hurry up, no huddle offense. They're going to do a lot more methodical, grind it out. We're going to be brawny and lean on our run game and that's a pretty good idea because they arguably return one of the best running backs in the sec in tank bigsby but here's the thing second hardest schedule second hardest schedule in the sec um average sp plus opponent at 10.6 score so um they're look straight up schedule they're they're probably they're pretty cut and dry um they have games that are they're going to be clear wins and clear losses, there's not a whole lot of uh, gray area here. Um, but, again, with an over-under line at 7, a lot of people think they go 7-5. and five. So, really, there's no fun pushing here. Yeah, the SP+, Plus, the ESPN, FPI, Football Power Index, bookies all think they go right at on that 7 uh, win marker there. So, it's just a matter of which sideline do you think you're really going to favor here. Just because of the new coach and because of how Bo Nix has been a drastic disappointment, I'm more inclined to fade War Eagle than back them at this point in time. Of course, they're favored or they're projected to finish fifth in the West. Um, they just there's just like a whole lot of holes on this team. There's just outside of Tank Bigsby, there's nothing to be excited about. I'll just say it. There's just nothing. Yeah, I mean, I just. I like I don't know anything about them to be honest. Like Auburn used to be fun to watch with Cam Newton and that one game where they returned that kick from against Alabama in the Iron Bowl was the best college ball game of all time. I'm looking at their schedule as we're talking, and I just I mean maybe they five get seven five. five and seven. I'm going under five and seven. I just don't. I think they wait Akron, who Alabama. Are they, State. Who are I, the I, upsets? Is it going to be Mississippi, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas? Who's yeah, oh yeah. Game? I think both wins. I think they go. I think their wins are Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State, um, South Carolina, and Arkansas. Those wins. I think they lose Penn State, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Alabama. That's what I'm calling right there. I mean, I just don't think with a new coach, I'm excited for the pro-style offense. I think that's probably the way they should go, especially in the SEC. We've got other teams that had success kind of trying to do that too. I think Kentucky – goes kind of run heavy as well. Yeah, so but that's, it's, not, have, it's not necessarily pro style. So we're going to be bringing back the old I formation. They're bringing back I, Mike Bobo. He was Georgia's office coordinator back in the day. Of course, he, bring back like fullbacks and stuff. Oh, yeah, man. We're going to get the I formation. So like last year, Mike Bobo, he was the play caller at South Carolina. Um, comfortably the most I formation usage in the SEC. Basically about eight or uh, yeah, 8% of their plays came out of the set and 12 percent of their yards that's an eighth of their yards came from the i formation this is 2021 we're talking about zev we need to bring this shit from the stone age but again if no one else is doing it there's a competitive advantage and again when you have a great running back you might as well lean into that style of play 
with the questionable Bo Nix returning at quarterback. Again, yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Everyone hypes him up. He sucks. ESPN loves him. For some reason, I don't know why they love him. He's, he's a star. And a, he's a legacy. People like that shit. He started as a true freshman. Not a lot of, not a lot of people started as true freshmen um, from the jump in this conference. But again, um, all these previews that I wrote on the on SECStatCat.com has a lot more detail, a lot more graphs where you can actually see, you know, oh, my God, Bo Nix's pass chart is an eyesore. And, well, there are tables on there, Fitzy, that are really nice and helpful where you can actually see what I like to call it as floor passing. So you get rid of pressures. You're seeing how a guy operates in pure drop-back situations, right? He has no excuses. Bo Nix is um, not special. In terms of the re- – uh, 11 returning SECers that had at least 68 attempts, dead last in passing success rate. And uh, dead last in accuracy, second last depth-adjusted accuracy. He's just not good, and it's really, really hard to back Brian, Her- Brian Harrison's rookie effort in the SEC. No, I agree. I'm going under on Auburn. Um, okay, so the next team – that we're going to go to is Texas A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. So, like, yeah, last year was their coming out party behind a veteran offensive line, a good run game. But here's the thing. That team failed the eye test because great run games and good defense is cool, but it doesn't make people want to watch those games. And that's why they were basically left out of the college football playoffs, despite having a really sturdy resume compared to Notre Dame and all the other teams that were vying for that fourth spot. But bringing back Isaiah Spiller, the best offensive lineman, and a whole lot of defensive contributors has this team having really high expectations. Only the the, the third easiest schedule, they're projecting their schedule, and it's a joke right now. I'm literally looking at him like – who like Alabama's a good team? They maybe lose LSU. Yeah, I mean, have them going nine and three, right? Yeah, so I have them going not nine and three. Yeah, but I'm looking at now. I'm like, what the, the hell? Plus, who are they going to lose to? The SP Plus and the FBI agree. They both think that um, it's going to be about a nine to ten win season, just because like they have very little adversity. It's going to come down to yeah, those three divisional games between Alabama, Ole Miss, and LSU. So yeah, I'd say they are probably their losses. Maybe Mississippi State too. I'd say those four teams can probably beat them. Um, but I think everyone else should be an absolute win. If not, it's a huge disappointment. I mean, brand-new quarterback, let's not discount that. And, again, four offensive linemen interchanging up front, don't discount that. But, again, that schedule is just so soft. It's 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 tough to go against it. But I'm going to fade them. I'm going to say they go under nine-and-a-half wins. Um, again, that's just assuming – that they can take care of business on their other um, divisional games. But I just think that maybe LSU is going to be able to upend them. I think that Ole Miss is going to be able to upend them because that game is in Oxford. And, of course, um, I think Nick Saban and his assistant streak, his famous assistant streak where none of his assistants can thwart him, continues again with that um, with that game against Alabama. SP yeah. Plus certainly has that as a touchdown margin. And, you know, yeah, I just think Alabama probably wins by more than that. But – all in all, I just think that Haynes King or Calzada uh, leave a little bit to be desired at the quarterback spot, and they ultimately underwhelm and fail to hit their mark. How's their running game? Anyway. Run game's good. I mean, look, Isaiah Spiller, he's a really good guy after contact, but and uh, Devin Kane, um, he is a, a, a – look, if he maintains even a little bit of what he showed to close this season – um, among SECers with 40 carries, he's number one in yards per carry. He's number one in, I think, broken tackle rate, first down touchdown rate. So he's really good. But it's the thing, can you do that with more volume, my friend? Um, can you do that when your really good offensive line has a lot of fresh faces up front? I'm not so sure. And, of course, you have Ni- Anaya Smith, the factor back, who splits time between slot receiver and running back, who is one of the more dynamic players and harder harder players to prepare for in this conference. So um, they have weapons. It's just, yeah, the quarterback's the most important position, and neither of those guys, being as inexperienced as they are, have shown that they can necessarily beat expectations. So I'm fading them because of that. Yeah, I don't think they win more than nine games. I agree with you. Um, Okay, let's go to the next team, the team that really matters in the SEC. 
the Mac Daddy. They have Lord Voldemort as their coach. They can't find the Horcruxes. This guy's going to live forever at Alabama and just keep winning national championships. Nick Saban, when he leaves Alabama, I think he's just going to disintegrate like Voldemort did in Deathly Hollows. I mean, the overrunner on this team is 11 and a half. That's how yeah. you just know there's so much better than everyone else. I mean, that yeah. describes the excellence when you have to go undefucking-feated to beat your over-under mark, man. I mean, that's, that's a high bar. But the odds, yeah, the odds are, or at least the my, the, the line says that's not going to happen. Um, 11 and a half. That's insane, especially with Bryce Young as their quarterback. The freshman coming in, I mean, I know he's a stud, and, like, let's be real, every player on Alabama is a stud. But I just think 11 and a half is just too much. Something's going to happen. This is college sports, you know. I have him losing at home against Ole Miss, against Lane Kiffin. I think he gives Bryce Young something he hasn't seen, and we all know Ole Miss can score. They scored 48 points on that Alabama defense last year. They did score 60-something. An offense, but that offense is gone. That was like one of the greatest offenses of all time. So it's all new people. I think they go 11 and 1, and um, Kiffin gives Saban his loss and it kind of makes his big debut win in the SEC by beating Alabama. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go 12 and 0, to be honest with you. But I got them at 11 and 1 on the uh, Well, they've only gone undefeated twice. Um, but yeah, I just think the odds are that they're going to get clipped along the way by somebody. I'm not going to say it's going to be Ole Miss. But when you lose your quarterback one, your RB one, your top two pass catchers, your top two linemen, it's it's a lot to replace. It really is. So the best uh, receiver in college football history. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah. The, I know you're talking about Jalen Waddle, because um, <laughs> <laughs> that dude. Wow, talk about a statistical wonderkin that has lit up. Um, the lit up the stat sheet for three freaking seasons as a starter. So, um, you're wet for Waddle. I am wet for Waddle. That dude, mm, I love it. But yeah, they don't uh, rebuild at Alabama. They reload. Of course, it's become so cliche at this point how efficient they are at sliding uh, four and five stars back into this lineup and not missing a beat the very next season. But um, yeah, they're gonna have some stumbles. Um, in terms of offense, they're bringing Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, Zev. I know you love yeah. old butt chin. Uh, uh, but, yeah, there's going to be some challenge for Bryce Young managing the ship. He's going to be a facilitator. He's going to be a distributor. He's a modern-day high school product, West Coast offense. Um, get the ball out of your hands quick to your playmakers. They have John Mechie, who's number one in explosive catch rate returning for the SEC this year. So that's percentage of targets that result in 20 yards or more. You got to love that. Almost a quarter of his targets last year resulted in such. So um, you got to like that he's going to be a, um, a safety valve for Young to find his footing. Because, again, while you're really confident in their ability to basically win everything against that Ole Miss game, um, all of their one-score margins occur uh, the first six weeks of the season, Zeb. So, again, with a lot of turnover, there's a lot of opportunity for them to be clipped, and I think that under is a really safe bet. Yeah, I agree. I just think the SEC West in general is down. Like, I, if there was another team that was, like, somewhat relevant, like people say A&M, A&M has a new quarterback. I just don't think he's going to do anything against them. You were just buying Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss is on the up I and up. I think Ole Miss, the only reason Ole Miss is because Lane Kiffin. I love Lane Kiffin. He, I would love to get, drink a beer, smoke a joint, whatever with him. Like, I just think he has Nick Saban's number. I mean, he put 50 points up against him last year, so that's why I think they maybe lose that. But, I mean, I realistically, they're probably going to be the best team in the country again. Like, what else is new? Um, so I got them going 11-1, and one, though, just because I think Ole Miss is going to do it, and I think they have a hiccup with their freshman quarterback. Yeah, and even if they lose a game, they're probably going to still make the college football playoff. Yeah, they're 100% going to still make the college football Don't lose any sleep for the Crimson Tide, my friend. Don't lose any sleep for the Crimson Tide. So um, that brings us to the East. And, of course, let's talk about the beast in the East. We're talking about Vanderbilt. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Vanderbilt, one of the worst Power 5 teams last year um, in terms of efficiency, in terms of volume, in terms of aesthetic on-field product. It just was not Pretty. Um, the bar set pretty low again for Clark Lee and his rookie effort moving on from being a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Over under is set for three for the Commodores. Zev, is I there mean, any hope for this team? So I did not look at the over unders before I picked my how what I thought they were going to go next. Gotta year. love that research. Gotta love that prep you put in. 
Well, you know, I just like going with my gut. Um, I, I mean, I haven't won three and nine. I think they win three games and lose nine losses. I hate to bet the the over-under, but I think that's probably right with three. Um, I mean, I just looking at their schedule, they're probably going to lose to Stanford, which definitely going to lose to Georgia, Florida, and then Kentucky beats them, Mississippi State beats them, Ole Miss beats them. I mean, I just – they maybe they beat Tennessee. They beat maybe, – maybe Colorado State beats them, to be honest. So they beat East Tennessee. They beat UConn. And I think – they lose every other game. I just don't see, I mean, unless they just have a miracle game where a team just comes out not taking them serious and then they just play their ass off. I just, I mean, basically first year coming off that terrible team, they'd be lucky to win three games. I don't know what you got. There can't be much too good stats on them from how bad they did last year. There's not good stats, but I really like their pass catchers. Um, These are guys that had to deal with consistent adversity. Um, we're talking about contested passes and we're talking about off target passes. Ken Seals, who's a true freshman who had to play last year, uh, one of the higher interceptable pass rates, one of the lower accuracy percentages. So, uh, That's pretty, way, pretty wayward. Um, but yeah, Amir Abdul Rahman, I love this kid. Uh, Ben Breshnahan, tight end, one of the more efficient mid range targets in the SEC. What do I mean by mid range? Those are um, targets. With an average, with a depth of target between 11 and 19 yards downfield, so um, I do like a, a decent amount of these weapons. But that offensive line is just dog shit, straight dog shit. And um, I don't think they beat expectations. Looking at the SP Plus straight up projections, so this is not averaging the game out, the their season out with the simulation. This is literally just seeing what their score is today up against each person on their slate. They are only projected to win two games, uh, one of them against Eastern Tennessee, the other one against the worst team um, in the Power Five, and that would be UConn. But their one opportunity for beating these expectations lie in weeks two and three against Colorado State and Stanford. They're only projected to lose by eight points in both games. He's not losing. They're not losing. They're not beating Stanford. I know they're not, but I'm just laying out the possibility, their path to beating expectations that's their best chance is either upending Colorado State or Stanford because in all their other SEC games, they're double-digit underdogs. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot of other hope on the horizon beyond that. Yeah, I mean, they're called the anchors for a reason because they're the bottom of the SEC. Because <laughs> Let's be real. They need to change their mascot. It's dumb. I like talking about mascots, but they're the anchors for a reason. They're, I mean, what do you got? Do you have an over or under? Oh, I'm going under. I'm, I'm going to actually face that. Um, oh, and uh, last time I checked the line, the or over under line, it actually pays to fade the Commodores. Uh, make yeah, a little bit plus extra money. 130. Yeah, plus 130. So, um, my, I mean, fading them worked out last year as they went over. I'm going to do it again just because of questions with Conceal and that offensive line and that porous freaking defense so i think the new coach might do something in the next couple of years but his first year he's gonna realize what the sec is and not it's not notre dame where you're playing shitty conferences every year but I'll we don't talk him. about other conferences i'll give him that he has a very very sexy first name all right so let's go to the next one and that is south carolina the fake usc they shouldn't call themselves that i don't like when they call themselves that but let's go to them clark what do you got on south carolina so South Carolina, you know, Shane Beamer, who's going to try and bring some special teams and defense and blend some of the more exciting offensive styles that college football has seen the last half decade. Of course, he's coming from Oklahoma. He's going to try and use a little bit of Lincoln Riley's flair. And his um, play caller, Marcus Satterfield, well, he's coming from the Carolina Panthers, working under Joe Brady, who was the pass game coordinator for Joe Burrows crazy freaking 2019 season so they're going to try and see how that all comes together but here's the thing their quarterbacks hurt they're starting running backs hurt they have one of the worst receivers collectively in the sec and their defense is coming off its worst sp plus season in six seasons so it's just not a whole lot of positivity and because of that their over under has actually shrunk a half a game since the news came out so um, they are a team that's really easy to fade and it pays to fade. I like what's your, what's your over under three and a half, three and a half. You know, I really do like fading them just because of all the uncertainty, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, um, he's a big recruit that they're really excited to finally see healthy. And again, he's going to see probably a little bit more playing time 
especially if Kevin Harris, their lead back, cannot um, return from back surgery in time for this opener here. So their season very well could hinge on what projects to be a pick'em game in week five against Troy. Again, um, expectations are not necessarily so high for the, the Gamecocks, but the SB Plus and the FPI are split on who wins the game. But I'm just overly pessimistic in Shane Beaner's rookie effort playing in the SEC East. Even though it is the quote-unquote easier division, they still have to play Clemson. They still have to play Auburn. They still have to play Texas A&M. And again, they're playing at Georgia, at Tennessee, um, at Missouri. I just don't think there's a whole lot of chances to get four wins on this schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually disagree. I'm going four wins. I think they're okay. going – I'm thinking over. I'm going to go opposite you here. I think they beat Eastern Illinois, Eastern East Carolina, Troy, and I think they beat Vanderbilt. I think those are winnable games for them. Um, I don't know too much about them. Like, but it sucks when you hear someone that's an analysis of a team and you think they're going to be the over, and then all of a sudden they say, yeah, they need offense, defense, and special teams to, like, be on the team to do well which is never good. I just don't think they beat those teams. South Carolina, I like South Carolina. I always have. They're a traditional – they're not a traditional school, but they'll have the old ball coach, and maybe this new guy brings some flair to them on an off- offensive perspective. So I th- I'm not taking them four and eight. I mean, they're not going to do anything in the East. Um, but I-, I got them at four and eight. I'm taking yeah, them I mean, that's a reasonable thing. It's just, yeah, it's going to come down to winning those games, basically against Eastern Carolina and Troy. Those two non-conference toss-ups are going to decide whether or not the Gamecocks are able to beat expectations or not. I'm pessimistic because, again, that Troy game projects to be a pick and I just think the Trojans are able to up in the Gamecocks and be a little bit of a, a thorn in the side of sorts in that Week 5 matchup. So let's move to Rocky Top next bit. So, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty rocky the last, what, decade, decade and a half in uh, that neck of the woods. So they're bringing in Josh Huppel. From UCF to be the coach, they're going to lean into the Baylor spread, explosive passing and up-tempo to try and uh, up in opponents and find some margin of error. So over and under is set at six. Do you have high expectations for this program to regain its footing? I hate Tennessee. I, they act like they're some blue bread, blue chip. Number one college football dynasty, if you will. They're not. I lived there for five years. Their fans get so excited every year that this is going to be their year, and they get their heart ripped out. It's actually hilarious. I love it when it happens. I mean, they got that new coach. I don't really think they have any players. The over-under on them, six, I think we said. or Yeah, yeah it's, it's I, right I, at six. Right at six. I, I think that's what they win. I'm looking at They have a cupcake schedule. It helps them that they're in the East. They beat Bowling Green, they beat Pittsburgh, they beat Tennessee Tech, although that would be hilarious if they lost that game. Um, I think they beat South Alabama, too, and then maybe they beat Missouri, maybe they beat Kentucky. Right then, I have Kentucky beating them, but, like, I think they go 6-6. and Their fan base bitches and complains, once again, because they think they should be Alabama. But, let's be honest, they're a dumpster fire. Their fans have way too high of expectations. They'll be overhyped which will change some betting odds this year because they're one of those fan bases that just are delusional. Um, I got them going six and six. So I'm going to actually be a little bit more optimistic in the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, now, their schedule hinges on those games like you talk about. So Pittsburgh, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss. Those are the big four games. So – if they come out on top and all those games are going to be able to be, beat expectations that come out in three or four, they're still going to be in pretty good shape. But right now, they're projected to win by a point against Pitt. They're projected to lose by about two points to Missouri, um, projected to lose by six to Ole Miss, and they're projected to lose by to Kentucky by a point and a half to two points. So, again— not a whole lot of margins one way or the other. So you've got to really be banking in this explosive pass game in order to get them over the top. Now, I'm not a big backer in any of their quarterback options right now, whether it's Joe Milton, Hooker, or Harrison Bailey. But because of an even money payout over six wins, that's the side of the line I'm going to fall on. So you're taking the over. I mean, yeah, they have three quarterbacks that I don't even know they've named as a starter yet. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, they have, I mean, we can talk about them right now if you want. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I really don't care, like, about – I think all of them probably suck. 
and like maybe they're okay or whatever. But yeah, like none of them are really statistically or like on tape jump off the page. So Joe Milton is more of a strong-armed, mobile guy. He's um, 6'5", 250, but he can move. He's got some good feet. He will be used in a power type of quarterback runs. Then you got Hendon Hooker, who is very risk-adverse. Think of him as Alex Smith. He plays very, very close to Alex Smith. Doesn't take a whole lot of deep shots. He likes to focus on horizontal spacing concepts, and he's got some nice wheels. Harrison Bailey, of course, he was on this team last year as a true freshman. He played a lot of garbage time minutes, and he was dreadfully inaccurate. So um, none of these guys are really refined, deep passers. And again, that's going to be the emphasis moving forward. So um, this, the decision that this staff is going to make is going to be mostly behind closed doors. They're watching these guys throw every day. We're not. So while I can, you know, again, point to the stats and just say they're not necessarily great in that department, again, they could be killing it behind the scenes. And again, if you want to check out on how these guys break down with pass charts and um, advanced stat tables, you can check out all of these programs' previews on secstatcat.com. Right now, they're all on the homepage, so just find your favorite team and click on it there. But yeah. Um, so you think they go over six wins? I do, because I, I honestly, if I had to choose, they're going to go six and six. But again, oh, I'm yeah. not picking a push. With that even money line, I'm just a little bit more optimistic because of how they're going to lean into aggressive tactics. But again, it could damn well fall short because, again, a lot of people don't realize Tennessee's pass offense, it was pretty vertical last year. Only Georgia's was more vertical within the SEC. So um, it's not a matter of they're going to change a whole lot in terms of the X's and O's. They're just changing their strategy, their tactics, how they're going to be executing these plays with a little bit more pace, with a little bit more um, spread offense influence as opposed to a lumbering two tight end, 12 personnel type of things that they've been doing under Jim Chaney the last couple of years. Yep. Well, all right. Who do we got next? Who do we have next? That leaves Missouri. So, Eliah Missouri. Drinkwitz. Boy, a lot of people think he is the real-life Ted Lasso. He's one of the most charismatic and knowledgeable football coaches. Of course, he helped beat Missouri's expectations last year, Fitz. Right now, their over-under line is at seven. Which side of the line do you think the Tigers fall on this year? Man, I got to go four and eight, but I don't know shit about the Missouri Tigers. They're the fake Tigers. Like, God, I hate all these Tigers in the uh, SEC mascot team. But, I mean, I think they go four and eight. I'm looking at the schedule, and Central Michigan win, Southeast Missouri win, North Texas win, South Carolina win. I mean, I could see – I mean, I could see them – Beating Boston College, beating Arkansas. I mean, actually, the more I look at this, I'm like, why the hell do I have four and eight here? I might change it live. I'd say probably they go. I think they still are at the under if they're it's under over seven. I still I think they maybe go six and six, but I'm taking the under. I'm not taking the over. I don't think they win seven games. Um, what's the current eight. what's the current line right now? If like is it even money for the under? I think I know because Elijah Drinkwitz because he's a very sexy coaching candidate. A lot of people are backing this team, and of course, that's going to affect the payout. What is it currently right now? Both. So over is minus one twenty-five, and under is minus one hundred five. So oh, kinda, really? Kind of yeah. close. I uh, yeah, I would have definitely thought a lot of people would be hammering the over for this team. So I'm going to side that way because they're bringing back Connor Bazelak. He's top thirty-five in expected points added per attempt, or at least this offense is. And they're bringing back 82% of their returning offensive production. That's 27 in the country. Um, even though this defense, woo-hoo, no SEC defense regressed year over year and basically um, a lot of advanced metrics. Again, it's in their preview. I'm not going to bore you cheating out all the stats that they got worse in with uh, Drinkwitz at the helm when Barry Odom left town. But that offense is sturdy. Of course, losing Jalen Knox is not great. But Malik Cooper, he's a uh, former um, really sought-after Recruit who's coming from Ohio State through the transfer portal. A lot of people think he's going to be able to hit the ground running when he's back and healthy. And, of course, they're bringing back Tosti Dove and um, Tiki Chisholm, who are pretty decent receivers in their own right. This offense is all about stretching defenses laterally. They just got to get a little bit more explosive downfield. Um, Even though I do like this team to hit the over, Bazelak has to improve upon a 25% deep accuracy percent. That is uh, just not good enough. You, you have to be accurate on more than a quarter of your passes, 20-plus yards downfield. Um, but again, 
It's an easy team to like, and I'm going to go over. The uncertainty in terms of the defense and all that kind of stuff. I just, I'm going six and six. That's, that's my gut. That's what's telling me. My gut's telling me I'm going six and six. Hey, man, your gut can't – it might not be wrong. Look, they have three games their first five weeks of the season that are projected to be decided by a field goal or less. Those can certainly go either way. So, yeah, while I'm a little bit more optimistic in the Tigers' chances because of their returning production on offense, I get the concerns because of that defense. I really do. I really, really do. Because Boston Cotton, hey, man, they got a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, Missouri's a Big 12 team. Let's be real. They've been in the SEC for <laughs> a little bit. They're a Big 12 team. But come on. Um, okay. Let's go to the next one. The Kentucky, Kentucky Wildcats. Wildcats. That's right. My alma mater. I, Your alma mater. Yours too. Mine um, too. So, yeah, no SEC team has an easier schedule than the Wildcats. Yeah, uh, cupcakes. They have a lot of cupcakes. So, this schedule could really break a lot of opportunities for the Wildcats to potentially be a dark horse in the SEC East race to potentially play in Atlanta. Of course, they returned the best fucking running back in the college football and Chris Rodriguez, folks. Um, I've been charting the SEC for three seasons. Um, he logged the highest expected points added per run, success rate, and first down touchdown rate than I've ever charted. And you know what? He's led the SEC in yak average, yards after contact, back-to-back seasons. He is... The real deal. And if you don't think that my charting means anything, well, the folks at Pro Football Focus, they have him as the Power Five's best or highest graded returning running back. So he yeah. is fantastic. So you think he's a Heisman candidate? Uh, no, just because Heisman candidates don't come on eight and four football teams. But yeah. here's, here's the thing. Um, outside zone scheme, they're going to get away from their inside zone scheme. New offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen's come from the L.A. Rams. He's going to do a little bit more of a Shanahan type of style. We're talking about condensed formations, play action, um, getting the quarterbacks moving a little bit, presenting him with a little bit more easy completions within the scheme. And again, if Jared Goff can get it done, there's a little bit of hope that even if Kentucky brings itself off of the conference floor – which is where they've been the last couple of seasons throwing the football, that they can absolutely be a very special team. So they had 6-1 score margins against Missouri, against South Carolina, against LSU, against Mississippi State, against Tennessee, and currently right now they are projected to lose to Louisville. Very pessimistic. The Dirty Birds? The Dirty Birds. Just because the SB Plus is really pessimistic and because of that pass-passing game uh, putridness, easy for me to say, but... When you look at the eye test, when you look at how the schedule presents itself, when you look at the construct, when you have one of the best tackles in the SEC in Darian Kennard, when you bring back a decent amount of defensive production, I'm backing the Cats. I mean, I think the Cats are one of the safest bets to hit the overs here. Um, theirs is right now at seven, which is uh, right what the SP Plus and the FBI think they finished. But again, if we're going to pick one side of the line, I think it's really easy to back the Cats this year. No, I agree with you. I mean, the over is minus 165 for the Cats right now, so I think that's where everyone's seeing betting-wise. And you look at the mm-hmm. schedule, it's easy to say it right now, right? But, like, I just – I don't see I, – I agree with you. I got them going 8-4. I think they lose to basically the ranked teams on their schedule and maybe drop another one, maybe Mississippi State, maybe Tennessee. But, I like – I mean, we play Tennessee at tennis at home, so I think we beat them there. So I got them going 8-4. I like Rod, uh, like the Rodriguez kid. I think the quarterback that we have coming in. Um, Will Levis. Levis, that's right. I think, yeah, the TikTok star. Um, I think he's might be the real deal. Um, not real deals in, like, pro caliber, but, like, could get stuff done. Um, but, yeah, I think they can go eight and four. I mean, maybe even more. Who knows? I mean, so Stu is not around the door. So here's the thing. You, a lot of people know that I have a big infatuation with Chris Rodriguez. But, again, Levis is going to be the most important player for this offense. Yes, they're bringing back Josh Ali. Yes, they have Wandale Robinson, who is going to be a um, a sensational playmaker in this change of offense. But if this quarterback cannot at least be average, then, yeah, the, the wheels might just fall off completely and the optimism might just completely dissipate. So um, he's in the mold of these quote-unquote toolsy quarterbacks fits. So... Um, think of Josh Allen. Think of Trey Lance. Think of Jordan Love. These are mobile quarterbacks with cannons. 
Um, they might not be the most necessarily accurate people right out the gate, but they are um, high upside guys. So he has arm talent. So I mean, that's that's one thing the Cats have kind of missed the last probably ten years at quarterback, where we had um, like. Steven Johnson what has been the best quarterback the last decade, or at least since Mike Hartline. And yeah, there has been a That's lot of quarterbacks come through I, like Yeah, we have had a quarterback that can throw the ball past 15 yards the last probably um, era. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But yeah, it has been really, really bad. But the thing is, look, this is the first time since 2016 that the Cats have two capable pass catchers in the same lineup. Both Josh Ali and Wanda Robinson can win one-on-one. So what does that do? When one of them can beat the guy that, that is initially assigned to them, it forces a safety to collapse, which means the other guy is left on an island. And you know, if people remember what happens with this offense in 2016, that resulted in a whole lot of deep posts. And again, with Well Loves' arm talent, you got to think that UK is really going to want to lean into unlocking the explosiveness behind his passing game. But, again, it's a lot of speculation, a lot of optimism. This very well could be a failure because that defense, when it's not creating turnovers, that bend-don't-break stuff typically did not work out whole well in the pandemic against the all-SEC slate. But let's move on. Top two teams in the East. Let's start with Florida. So, fifth, Emory Jones. Um, You know, a lot of people think he could be the next Cam Newton of types, just a mobile quarterback who can anchor an uh, an offense and be that focal point and drive them to success. Are you backing that, or do you think that's a little presumptuous to think that he can come in and be a Heisman candidate? I, I like Emory Jones. I remember watching him play last year. I like his physicality. I like him, but I, I, I hate Florida to be honest. I don't like Florida. I think they're one of those teams that like had their moment 15, 20 years ago and still think they're there. I think I'll, I'll go under. I think they lose. I think Kentucky beats them this year. Um, I really do. I like Kentucky a lot. So, I mean, I'll, I'll go under on 9-3. and three. I think they go 8-4, and four, have a disappointing season. Their coach is a, kind of a weirdo, in my opinion. <laughs> so, I'm kind of using that as well. But I think they go 8-4. and four. I do like the Emory Jones kid. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. Um, but I think he could in the next like, year or so. I think he could be really real. I think if they utilize him kind of like Cam Newton or that Paradu guy for LSU, um, I mean, they could be dangerous. I could be wrong. They, could, I mean, you could hammer like, the over. Ryan Perilou is such a terrible comp, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, I think he's a little bit more in the mold of Nick Fitzgerald. He is a modern comp. So this was Dan Mullen's quarterback before he left Mississippi State for Florida. He's a, He was a 6'5", glorified fullback who really struggled throwing the ball. Well, that's basically been the case for Emory Jones. Um, he returns with the highest rushing grade by pro football focus among the SEC quarterbacks, and he was top five in a good amount of efficiency metrics as is. But his career depth-adjusted accuracy is below 40%. And again, most of that was in, in packages that were tailor-made for his skill set. So I'm holding out a little bit of skepticism that he is able to um, be an effective passer. But here's the thing. If he continues running the ball at that high clip, I think that Florida is able to beat expectations. But here's the thing. They only have three one-score projections on their um, schedule this year, and it's going to be Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Those are the three important games. If you think you're going to lose to Alabama, you think you're going to lose to Georgia, I think that you're going to be able to beat um, LSU in Death Valley, but you never know. Because again, it's only projected to be a three-point outcome. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic in them, even though I'm still not sold on Emory Jones. Um, That defense absolutely has to improve a little bit, even though they were good at Havoc. They were 104th last year in defensive expected points added. That shit is not sustainable. That shit has to improve. But I think it does and I think Florida is going to be able to beat expectations this year because of their weirdo Dan Mullen, head coach, who is absolutely one of the best offensive minds in the sport. Yeah, I mean, my only concern with them is if they get down with that Emory Jones being able to throw. So, yeah. like, if they get down two touchdowns, can he throw his way back into a game? Like, if, yeah, I think if they get it to where they can control the run game, like you're saying, and, like, are efficient. But if you're looking at his stats, and I'm looking at him on ESPN, I'm looking at your website, too, StatCat. And, like, 
I mean, he just doesn't look like he's going to be able to throw the football. I think he's going to be able to rush. I mean, if you put eight people in the box and just dare them to throw, which you know about this way better than me, I think if I'm a defensive coordinator, that's probably what I do to Florida this year is just, hey, you're not going to beat us in the run game. You're going to beat us in the pass game. Do, do you think they have the weapons to do that, though? And I think you have a point there, Fitz. Um, and I actually mentioned this in the preview. I, I do think they're going to see a lot of crowded boxes, but here's the thing. They bring back uh, Jacob Copeland, who I'm really high on. He, uh, is like one of, he is one of the SEC's returning leaders in explosive catch rate. Over a fifth of his targets last year resulted in a 20-plus yard gain. And Justin Shorter, even though he didn't see the same level of accurate targets deep as Copeland did, and again, with losing Kyle Trask, who was pretty precise as a passer, and you're going to Emory Jones, you're going to see a little bit more wasted chances. That's going to happen. But because of Emory Jones's arm strength and Copeland's ability to take the top off of defenses, I think the explosiveness um, goes up, but the consistency will go down. I think the net product will be fine. But yes, absolutely defenses will make it hard on Emory Jones because he is going to be the focal point of this offense. So the challenge becomes on the offensive line, can they create holes for their deep running back room? They have like three or four, five guys that are going to fight for snaps. Damian Pierce is going to be the lead back. But um, because of the other guys' skill set in terms of pass catching, blocking, and tackle breaking, there's probably going to be a running back by committee. But the thing is, you cannot average 1.7 yards to start instead of downs uh, in yards before contact. You have to give better cushion than what you've been doing. That's kind of – I agree. I mean, I, I just don't see him. I still, I'm still taking the under on him. Yeah, I mean, let's go to the next one. Let's go to right. the three Bulldogs. But, yeah, so Georgia, their over-under is 10-and-a-half. Um, they – have three one-score games. That's going to come down to Clemson, Florida, and Auburn right now. Um, a lot of people are really, really high on this offense, but the thing is the continuity could be a, a bit of a problem. Um, trying to replace Ben Cleveland, uh, the mountain man up front, and another offensive lineman. Uh, they haven't necessarily been able to mesh for whatever reason this, this, uh, this summer with their new guys. Uh, they have numerous pass catchers in and out of the IL list. Of course, we still don't know exactly what's going on with Arik Gilbert, the, um, the wonderkin from the transfer portal who uh, presumes to be the next Kyle Pitts in the SEC. So JT Daniels definitely helped bring about excellent output during the last four games for this offense. But the question is, is it sustainable? He had a bottom three depth-adjusted accuracy fits. That just seems to hint that he really got lucky on his guys making plays. As such, he had about eight created catches. So that's where the receiver went above and beyond and won like a jump ball, a sideline catch. You know, they basically made that play. So there's a lot of evidence that it's going to um, backtrack a little bit. Uh, but again, if you like to think that his accuracy is actually going to improve, this is a really easy team to, to back. I'm not one of those guys, however. Um, the SB Plus thinks they're going to go um, 11 and 1 for the most part in terms of their straight up projections, but their simulation over the season says they're going to win 10 games. So, in addition to losing to Clemson in week one, they think along the line someone else is going to clip them. Again, Auburn and Florida are their two one score matchups. So, just because of the injury concerns, and not to mention that Tyreek Smith, one of those transfer cornerbacks that. Um, uh, instituted himself on this team this offseason, he's going to be out week one. So I just think it's just the odds are against Georgia from getting to 11, even though they're a really easy team to like because of the talent. But again, because of the thirsty nature of this program, I'm just not going to back them this year. No, I agree with you. I mean, I have them going nine and three. I think they have three losses. Three? I mean, yeah, I think they have three losses. I think Clemson... At first, I thought they'd beat the Clemson, but the more I hear about them, I'm like, oh, this shit going on in their, their training camp and stuff. I think they lose to Clemson probably pretty handily. They probably win the next five games, don't really have any competition. Uh, I think they probably have a closer game against Auburn. I think Kentucky beats them this year. I had them at first coming out of the 
East. But right now, I think it'll be a toss-up between Florida and Georgia, and then maybe even Kentucky in there as well. But obviously, I'm being a little homer. I mean, they haven't won shit since 1980. They have been relevant, though. I will say that, like, Kirby is a relevant coach. You can definitely get them to the national championship. I mean, he damn near won them the national championship, but had two a time not happen. They would have won that national championship. I mean, I just I think they go probably nine and three. It'll be a toss-up between them and Georgia. Who probably whoever wins that game probably comes out of the SEC East. That's how it's been historically, my friend. That's how it's been historically. But yeah, they, I mean, even though I'm a little bit pessimistic and as you are in this team, they return 84% of this offense, including Zamir White. Um, and a few of the best tackle breakers at running back in the SEC. Um, Kendall Milton, uh, Juwan Edwards, and, of course, you have James Cook in terms of EPA is one of the more potent ball carriers in the conference. So figuring out a good rotation with their running backs is going to be crucial, but, again, maintaining this downfield-oriented passing game is their best chance to get back to the promised land. I just don't think JT Daniels' accuracy holds up over the course of the season, and I think they ultimately fumble. Gun to your head, you're picking Georgia coming out? Um, yeah, I would say that that would be, if I had to pick one team, that's who I would go with, but um, I don't feel good about myself for doing that. I don't necessarily like to pick chalk, um, but again, if you want to look at that neutral site game, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, it's only a three-point margin right now. It could really go either way. Again, like I said, historically, the winner of that game has represented the East. It's so facto, I think Georgia does come out on top in that one. All righty. SEC Stack Hat slash Clark. I'm going to recap our picks. Tell me okay. if I'm wrong about any of them. So we both have Alabama coming out of the West, and that's pretty obvious. Over-under is 11.5 with them. I have under. You have under. Um, pretty consistent there. Um, Auburn's the next team. They're over under seven wins. I have under. I have under on Auburn, my friend. It's just, yeah, like uh, Bo Nix, I'm fading that. And then LSU, I have under. You have under. Yeah, dude, that's that's way too high. But that's one of the, like, consensus picks across the country that, like, fading LSU is, like, really, really popular. But um, I just think, look, seven one-score games, that's just way too much to overlook at the end of the day. Yep, I agree. A&M, the next one, nine and a half. I have under. You have under as well. Yeah, losing four offensive linemen and starting a fresh-faced passer, going to fade that one. And then I think we both understand, both agree, not understand, we both think Ole Miss is going to go over seven and a half. I think besides the LSU under, that's probably the lock of the season for me. Done yeah. in my head, if that's what I felt like, I'd probably say Ole Miss. After that, we have Mississippi State. I just think Mike Leach is kind of – gonna fade off and this is gonna be the year the area doesn't work well yeah i i wrote an article uh this week on the single most important thing i would do to fix mike's version of the air raid of course you know you've seen people like lincoln riley uh mike gundy joe brady whatever um there even alabama last year their favorite play was cross and that is an air raid staple so people are bumming looks from this offense but the pure form of the offense that mike leach runs it, days might be numbered unless he um, evolves a little bit. So I gave a little bit of a column what I would do in his shoes. But yeah, right now it's really tough to buy that uh, offense. Really is. Really is. Yeah. And then Arkansas, they're over under six. I got him at four wins, so I'm taking under. You got him at over. I do. I just think having the best uh, SEC, the best pass catcher in the SEC, and Traylon Burks at the end of the day elevates KJ Jefferson, and they're able to clip potentially somebody in the division. Gotcha. All right, so that is the West. We both have Bama coming out of the West. I think that's pretty obvious. You could probably put all your family's life that Bama will come out of the West. It would be crazy if we were wrong, but I think you could hey. probably put your whole life savings on again. Again, it it could happen. All of their one score margins happen the first like six weeks of the season. So it, it their tests happen early before they they might be able to gel. Um, after their bye week or so. So it, it could happen. But, yeah, like you said, the odds heavily favor the Crimson Tide. All right. So next let's get to the East. And we got Florida. I have under for Florida. You have over. I mean, they got a weak schedule. They got some good talent. You're taking the over. I'm taking the under. We'll see what happens. It will hinge on Emory Jones. Can he pass the ball or not? I think he'll be able to do at least enough for them to get the double digits. 
I disagree. Um, but now we got Georgia, um, ten and a half. We're both taking under. I think there's just too much. Too, the jury's too out on Georgia to feel confident about them. Um, Kirby Smart, I think he'll get the defense better. They're going to be top five to start the season in the SP plus. Very good against the run, but yeah, defending the pass matters in college football these days, especially when you're starting against Clemson. So then we got Missouri. I'm taking under. You're taking over. You're kind of – if you've swayed me on anyone, it's probably Missouri this season. But I'm still taking under because it's Missouri. I don't think they have a defense. Hey, man, they uh, spread triple options and, and, and flea flickers. They're a really fun offense, but they're not just running curl flats and outside zones. Yep. The next one we got South Carolina. I got the over. You got the under. I mean, it's just the jury's out. New coach see what happens. I mean, they could ha- they could find lightning in a bottle or they could find dynamite in a bottle and implode on themselves. Um, but, I mean, I-, I got over, you got under. Next is Tennessee. They're over under six. I originally said they're going to be even, which that's what I think. I'll go under as my final pick for them. You got the over. The yeah, I think they do go six and six like you, but, like, at the end of the day, I just am inclined that that vertical passing game of Josh Huppel is potentially creates a victory against, you know, either Kentucky, Missouri, or maybe even Georgia or Florida. That is very, very optimistic, but I do think they were able to clip somebody and beat expectations behind that style of play. Yep. Next we got the alma mater UK Wildcats. We got over under seven wins. We're both taking the over. I agree. I think what you're saying about Rodriguez is legit. He's legit. The stats are behind him. You can read that on secstatcat.com, my co-host website. Check it out. But, like, I think Kentucky, this could be their sleeper year. They'll probably rip our hearts out like every Kentucky football team normally does. Look, having the easiest schedule in the conference matters. Yeah. If they even field an average or moderate passing game, they could be absolutely dangerous, assuming the big blue wall keeps what it's been doing the last several years. We'll see. We're both high on those. Last, the anchors, and they're the anchors for a reason. Over-unders, three wins. They got it. You keep calling the Commodores the anchors here, and (laughs) I don't know how to take it, but yeah, they're a really tough sell. Rookie head coach, uh, not a whole lot of positive. Is that their mascot, the anchors? No, it's the Commodores. Why do they have anchors all over their shit? Because their phrase is anchored down. Oh, well, anchor down. That's what I thought. When I lived in Nashville, that's all they got. It was everywhere. So I was like, you're all the anchors because you're the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I mean, you, you got under. I actually have the over on them for mm-hmm. four wins. It's just because I don't want to bet the line. Um, no, yeah, it'll come, it'll come down to winning the Colorado State and Stanford games in week two and three. Um, I just think there's a little bit more of a payday fading them. So, guys, that is our show. What we'll be doing every week is next week we'll go over the actual game lineups of the first week of the season, plus, minus, over, under for halftime, above halftime. We'll maybe even throw some crazy prop bets. But this will be kind of the format of the show moving forward, unless you all absolutely hate it or hate Clark and have to find a new co-host. No, I'm just joking. Um, but, yeah, like and subscribe. If there's stuff on here – that you want to know more about why we have our picks. Probably not mine because my hour of research isn't there. But Clark, Stat Cat, goes through, look, does all the plays and everything. Where can they go, Clark? Um, SECStatCat.com. Uh, just spell it out. Don't Google search it. Just type it into uh, your browser there. Go straight there, straight to the source. So, um, yeah, I, I've charted every offensive snap in the conference the last three seasons. So you can see concepts, pass charts, uh, uh, target heat maps, um, stat tables, who's leading in obscure things, like I mentioned, depth adjusted accuracy percentage, first down touchdown rate, um, a lot of fun things where if you're undecided on which side of the line to bet, uh, whether you know it's three and a half or something, you can see someone's touchdown rate, explosive pass rate, you can really hone in on these nitty gritty stats that could really bankroll your season. So definitely check that out at sccstatcat.com. And again, every team's preview is on the homepage right now, so you can't miss it. So find your team and check out uh, what they stand to do this season, looking at their passers, catchers, rushers, offensive line, the most important things to do on both sides of the ball, and examining their schedule with help of the SP+. Awesome. Well, guys, we'll talk to you next week, and um, let's make some money. Let's make some money. Let's have a good one, guys. Yeah.